everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 143, I think, without looking. Uh, I'm Chad Dotson. With me again tonight, our uh, good friend, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am well. Uh, are you really? You, that, that wasn't very convincing. I, 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 I teach, and, and school just started back, so I'm well because it's Friday. Uh, so there you go, yeah. That's the only good thing about the first week of school. Indeed. Uh, you guys are starting back early, huh? Always. Yeah, that stinks. Uh, well, the Reds continue to play at least an entertaining brand of baseball here in the second half. And, uh, you know, uh, we we, ha- we didn't talk about this uh, off the air as a possible topic, but I am going to go ahead and toss it out there for you. It's. I was watching the and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking to myself, this is really uh, kind of a fun team to watch in a lot of ways. Am, am I crazy? Well, I know I'm crazy, but uh, is that a crazy thought? I don't think that's a crazy thought. I've actually like wanted to pay attention to them lately instead of paying attention to them out of a sense of what seems like obligation. I mean, even when they've lost lately, and they've been on a little run where they've bought, dropped a couple series, it's not like they're getting the crap pounded out of them like they were earlier in the year. It's like they're losing by a run or two, and it's just, you know, one run losses, whatever. You can't sweat that. It just happens. Right, like, yeah. Um, let's see. Let, let's see. Five of their last six losses are by one run. So they're competitive. And what more can you really ask with a team? They are competitive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, if it wasn't for a bullpen bullpen meltdown other than that uh, in St. Louis, then, you know, the pitching's been pretty good. Uh, They're getting some timely, I don't know, timely hitting. You know, I don't know. We're we're starting to see a little bit of the future come into focus, and and that is something we want to talk about uh, a little later here. Um and so, while the first half was miserable and you know we were suffering through some of these pitchers that really were not going to be on the next good Reds team, you know, the uh, maybe Daniel Wright will, I don't know. Maybe Tim Adelman will, I don't know. Alfredo Simon better not be. Um, but now we're starting to see some of the guys that the Reds are going to be able to count on and, and things are starting to, the picture's starting to clear up a little bit and uh, the young guys are fun to watch, especially some of these young pitchers who they're frustrating sometimes, but fun to watch. Uh, Iglesias and Lorenzen are fun to watch in the bullpen, uh, despite our concerns about the Iglesias' usage going forward. So, you know, again, I'm crazy, but I think there's still plenty to watch for this year. Well, I think I, I think the Reds at this point, it's reasonable to say that they're not a terrible team. I can't say for sure that they're good because they haven't been playing decently for long enough, but they're not terrible. Like, you know, you can expect to turn them on and see non-horrible baseball, which you could not say for the first few months of the season. Yeah, a garden variety below average team rather than a historically bad. And maybe even an average team, uh, frankly, you know. I mean, they're at least closer to that than they were earlier in the year. Definitely. Well, let's uh, let's talk about something that uh, I just mentioned, which is uh, how the future starting to come into focus. And I really have to take issue with you on one thing. You know, both of us write occasionally for, uh, for Cincinnati Magazine, and I'm looking at Cincinnati Magazine's website right now, Jason. And okay. I've got a bone to pick with you. On, on the front page, they have a list of their top five, what they call the top stories, on their website. And number two is my wonderfully written, engaging piece about Scott Shebler, which I hope we'll talk about in a moment as well. Number one, the number one top story on the Cincinnati Magazine website is named A Lot of the 2017 Reds Are Not Yet 2016 Reds, and it was written by Jason Linden. Do you know that guy? I do, and I'm pretty sure he's better than you. (laughs) In every single way. Uh, That was a great article. I really did enjoy it, and... uh, 
I think you're right. I think that's part of the reason why I'm still optimistic. A lot of the 2017 Reds aren't yet 2016 Reds, and there's a lot of a lot of help coming. Seems like to me, anyway. Um, it's. I mean, I think it's it's like half the lineup probably. Um, and you know, I, I wrote that in the piece, but I mean, at the very least, Winker will be here next year, like no doubt. Um, you know, the the word in Louisville has been kind of that he he was being kept back because he needed to work on his defense. Um, and I can attest to the fact that for most I've seen, I've lost track of how many bats games I've seen this year, but it's a lot. And his defense has, has never been great, but all of a sudden it's noticeably improved. Um, you know, I think in, uh, what's interesting is that in left field, he, that's where he's mostly played and he takes, he has good routes he started to actually run a fair bit better than he was before. Um, but the thing is, he has a pretty solid arm. You know, I would say he, with Bruce gone, he might have the best arm in the Reds organization, which isn't necessarily saying a lot because there aren't a lot of great arms. But I think he probably has the arm for right field, at least to be a solid enough right fielder. But he probably just needs more practice out there for whatever reason when I've seen him play in right, which hasn't been recently. It hasn't been since the improvements in left. But he's... Uh, He's been a lot shakier on the routes that he takes. But anyway, he's he's ready with the bat. There's no question. He's been hitting like fire in Louisville since he came back from his wrist injury. And then I, Nick Senzel has been destroying A-ball to the point that people who are like, not and not people like Reds fans, like national writers, are talking about him as a 2017 arrival. So, And then you've got the various middle infielders and, and other corner outfielders sort of flopping around down in the system. And, and it's just, there's a, an awful lot coming along. There is. It's really a surprisingly uh, rebuilt minor league system in a lot of ways. Uh, let's unpack just a little bit those t- those two names you just mentioned, uh, who I think are the best. Maybe not the best hitting prospects. Maybe the best hitting prospects yes. in, in, the, in the organization. But certainly the ones that are the great hitting prospects that are closest to the big leagues. They, they are the best hitting prospects in the organization. I'll say that. There you go. Let's go on record then. Uh, you know, Winker. I think you're right. Could be here today. I mean, he could. And you know, there are really only two reasons that I can see to keep him uh, keep him down. Number one is the defense, as you mentioned. Number two, if there are concerns about uh, you know, service time, things like that. I, I, you know, I don't have a problem maybe keeping him down. Um, but this guy is the Reds' left fielder of the future. I, I, I'm not sure what else he's got to prove in AAA to prove that he is the guy. Now, you mentioned that his defense sounded to me like you were saying it's at least average, going to be average. Um, is that is that where you are? It's it's at least not humiliating. <laughs> well, you like, got- I mean, look, Jesse Winker is, um, I he, I've seen the last couple of games I've seen him. He's had what looked to me to be some pretty solid defensive games. I would need to see that eight or ten more times before I could say he has a shot to be like an average outfielder. Um. But he he has improved measurably. I mean, he's gone from, and forgive me, Chad, he's gone from <laughs> Adam Dunn after his legs went. Oh, easy. To like <laughs> Ken Griffey Jr. slightly before his legs went. Oh, like, it's like, it's not, it's not good, but it's not, it's not a disaster either. It's, it's, it's nothing you would bat an eye at given that he's probably going to be getting on base close to 40% of the time. You know, over 143 episodes of this podcast, there's been one steadfast rule throughout that time. You may not criticize, slander, 
Adam Dunn. That's just a rule. You know that the, that's the rule going in. Why would and, you say something like that? Well, this is like the second or third time I've broken it, and frankly, I'm just testing you. I'm seeing what your limit is <laughs> and trying to get kicked off the podcast at the same time. <laughs> right. That'd be, the, that'd be the huge benefit here. The other's <laughs> just poking at me. Uh, okay. Well, one thing that uh, about Winker is if he can be even an average uh, fielder, my thesis and until I'm proven wrong, I'm going to stick with this thesis, is that any average left fielder and right fielder, uh, will be that'll be adequate for the Reds because they've got a comic book superhero playing center field. Yeah, I, I, think, that, I think that Billy Hamilton can make up for a lot of defensive inadequacies. That Definitely. Now, now, Nick Senzel, you know, I can't yes. – I, 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 I saw this guy play once at the University of Tennessee. I think I mentioned it on the podcast and didn't, wasn't really paying attention to him. It was before the Reds drafted him, obviously, and – I knew he was uh, sort of a a top prospect, but you know I, I don't remember frankly much about him other than he's wearing that ugly orange of the University of Tennessee, uh, good old Rocky Top. He's just absolutely taken the Reds' uh, minor league system by storm, and he's just killing the ball. Uh, it just it, it's it's amazing to watch, and what he and Winker have in common that I think the Reds justifiably deserve some criticism. For not maybe not focusing enough on guys that have a good uh, a good sense of the of the strike zone, good plate discipline, he and Winker, well, I guess it's no, it, it's not a uh, surprise that they're the top two hitting prospects in the organization. They really know, uh, understand the strike zone, and they get on base. Yeah, I was I was going to ask if I could give you three numbers to make everybody feel good. And let's just pretend that let's just ignore the fact of what levels these are at. But I'm going to give you three on base percentages for three players, okay? Let's do it. All right. 391, 410, and 422. All those, good on base percentages. Yes, those are the current on base percentages for Jesse Winker, Nick Senzel, and Joey Votto. Oh, my gosh. And now, and and your thesis, and I think it's absolutely supported by uh, by the evidence and by what what we're hearing from scouts and things like that. Every single one of those guys could be in the starting lineup for the Reds, say September one next year. Yeah, yeah. I think initially the the forecast for Senzel was September call up next year or start the year in two thousand eighteen. Um, I've seen some things lately where people are saying that that his performance since his professional debut has kind of maybe put him into the mid 2017 mix where they probably hold him down to keep him from being um, a super two guy or whatever it is they call it. Um, and then sort of call him up when he's ready or not, not even when he's ready, but when the service time stuff is, is aside. Well, I, I think that he's probably going to start next year at double a Pensacola would, would seem to be the uh, yeah, obvious choice. And from there, they could bump him up to AAA, but they could also just skip AAA and, and bring him up. The guy that I've, I keep thinking about is another recent uh, a guy that was recently held back just a little bit because of service time issues, a college draftee who came into the minor leagues just really almost already ready. And that's Chris Bryant uh, for the Cubs. Now, Sinzel's not a different type of hitter in some ways than Chris Bryant, but there are, there are some similarities from the position played to just the fact that really – you know, come out of a good college program and not skip a beat. Yeah. Um, yeah, Senzel definitely, definitely has been on fire. Um, yeah, and I'm just, I had to go look at Bryant's minor league stats as you were talking about that. And, uh, yeah. Wow, like, Chris Bryant was really good in the <laughs> He's really good in the major leagues. <laughs> he's really good in the major leagues, too. Chris Bryant, good at baseball. Yeah, baseball. he is good at baseball. He's amazing. Um, 
but uh yeah i mean you know what's surprising to me is that senzel is is not in a you know w runs created plus kind of way that far off of chris bryant he's not exactly on a chris bryant level in the minor leagues but he's not that far away which just makes my mouth water frankly well you know you don't have to be chris bryant who you know i think within the next couple years is going to be widely regarded as the the best third baseman in the game if he's not already frankly uh, you don't have to be that good to be a really, really good player and a guy that can really help this team. So, you know, you got him, you got Winker uh, in next year. You mentioned the middle infield guys. Also, let me tell you something else about Swar- uh, Senzel before we move off him. I've got this sort of crazy theory as well. I'm full of crazy theories, uh, if you haven't noticed. And this one is that, you know, Senzel, uh, early in high school, he didn't even play baseball for two years. His dad moved to England to take a job over there, they couldn't find a baseball team for him to play on. So so my running thesis is that he's got plenty of room for growth because he's uh, sort of behind on the uh, on the curve. That's uh, an interesting thesis. That would be really great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you what? Know. It's uh I, I like coming up with crazy uh, crazy hypotheses. Um so those two guys could be in the red line at some point next year. We got to think that Jose Peraza and Dilson Herrera are going to one or both of those guys are going to be there. So yeah, it could be four guys that are not currently in the Reds lineup that could be starting for the Reds, you know, sometime, sometime next year. And that's, that's really sort of, uh, it's amazing, but it's also interesting for the idea that this rebuild, we're going to start on the major league level, seeing some of the fruits of it. And maybe fans can sort of start to buy in a little bit more to the fact that the Reds are rebuilding uh, when you start seeing these young guys come up and really contribute. Yeah, I mean, I would almost kind of hope that people would be starting to buy in now just with the the way they've played since the All-Star break, where, you know, and we really have gotten to the point where there's started to be some real turnover in the roster, you know, especially with the pitching, and, and the lineup will come soon enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree that hopefully, hopefully next year really kind of sells it and things really start to take off. I just think it'll be more obvious sort of on the face of things, because right now, I mean, you still got... Brandon Phillips and Zach Cozart playing the, up the middle, and and both have had good Reds careers, and I'm not criticizing them, but those guys are still there. And Joey Votto at first, and you know it, it, Billy Hamilton's been here just he's only 25, but he's been around for a few years. It kind of looks like the same old team we've had, except worse. Uh, next year we'll start to see some of these young guys that you can, I don't know, project your hopes onto a little bit more. We know we know what we're getting with these uh, with these guys that have been around in some ways. Do you know what I would actually, um, if I if I can pull you in a particular direction here, think that is uh, would like to mention and think that is worth talking about, which is how much it matters how old players are, which is a lot. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That actually goes into the the piece that I wrote for Cincinnati Magazine this week, and um, and you explored it a little bit in your piece at Red Leg Nation, uh, I guess last week about the outfield and and what are the Reds going to do, and that was. A big reason why you came to the c- conclusion you came to. Right? Yeah, yeah, and it's just people are too, I think, willing to assume that all players are promoted to the major leagues at sort of the same developmental point, which isn't the case. If you are, say, you know, whether he's promoted or not, he's ready as a major league hitter. So if you're a 22 year old Jesse Winker who is ready to be promoted versus a 27, almost 28 year old Adam Duvall who's finally getting regular playing time for for the first time one of those players still has serious room for growth and one of them does not 
Yeah, I think, I think it's difficult it just, for people to see that. Yeah, it, well, it is because they don't know the names and they probably aren't paying that close attention to the ages. But it's, you know, it's very rare. I know when I wrote that piece, somebody chimed in and said something about um, uh, Bautista. And I'm like, way to like cherry pick. Right. You know, like, really, Jose Bautista? Okay, sure, great. How many times has that happened in baseball? Like, four? Um, ever. Right. I hope that it's Duval. Right. Ch- chances great. are it's not. But, and you know, this is the thing I think that, that I th- people sometimes miss is that if you are the Reds, you can, with, and a small market team, you cannot win by betting on players to be exceptions to the rules. Because most of the time they won't be, and you don't have the resources to go out and fill the gaps when they aren't. You got to play the percentages, as uh, Montgomery Burns would say, as a manager of the uh, of the uh, nuclear plant team in The Simpsons. Uh, you got to play those percentages, and you're right. That's not that's not a high percentage play. Duvall's had a great year, 27 home runs. I mean, that's awesome. I love it. Great story. Uh, but you look at him, and you look at a guy like, uh, well, even compare him to Shebler. Shebler's just 25, you know, yeah. with some room to grow. To grow, you know, if and that's sort of what I said in my piece. If I had to pick between the two, I really might pick Shebler based upon his minor league stats and the fact that he's got two more years of growth before he, two and a half even before he gets to the age that Duvall is. I would too, and I mean, frankly, his I think his, you know, the results haven't been there yet in the major leagues, but his plate approach is better, and it's, you know, you really you really can't judge a player's hitting ability until you've got hundreds of plate appearances under the belt. With with Scott Shebler, I really discounted him when the Reds traded for him. Uh, Jose Peraza is in the Todd Frazier deal, and Jose Peraza yeah. was the uh, figure piece, I guess, in that one, and the headliner in that one. And, and Shebler was coming off a really not a very good year uh, at AAA Oklahoma for uh, in the Dodgers organization. His, his WRC Plus was 91. He hit 241 with just 13 home runs, and I thought, well, Who's this guy? I kind of ignored the fact that he had mashed the ball every other uh, step in the minor leagues. And this year, in his second exposure to AAA, still at the age of 25, which is, you know, he was still young for the uh, for the league, uh, he, he just destroyed the International League for Louisville. So, yes, he did. Uh, and I, I watched a lot of that. I mean, he <laughs> was just every game. I remember I would come in and I would think, okay, he can't possibly keep this up. And then there he is like three for four with a home run again. And it was just, it was, it was remarkable. Yeah. Um, well, two years ago, he led the uh, Southern league in double a in total bases, triples, home runs. He, uh, he only led in home runs because Chris Bryant got a promoted to the major leagues, but, uh, but he did at that point, he was ranked as high as number six on the Dodgers prospect lists. I mean, he's a legit prospect and then he had uh, one bad season, and it was uh, admittedly a bad season his first year at AAA. Uh, you know, he's not. He started out great with Cincinnati. And he's not performed well since then. But with Scott Shebler, he he's athletic. Uh, he has nine triples this year so far. Had twenty seven triples uh, across two levels in two thousand thirteen and fourteen. He hit fifty six. He hit fifty six home runs those two years as well. You know, I. Uh, what I what I said about him and what I believe is, it's not completely 
out of the question yet, was because we've not seen enough of him in the big leagues to know. It's not completely out of the question that he could put together a similar career path to a guy like a, a Todd Frazier or Chris Sabo who came up around this time. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think he's a better candidate for that than um, than Duvall is. And and you know you, you can hear I can hear it in the tone of your voice, and I know you're thinking it. It's which is that he's better. He's still not like the perfect candidate. You don't look at him and say, okay, this guy's a sure thing. But he's 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 a maybe. And yeah, I'm not, not going to bet the ranch on him being a Todd Frazier. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, he's probably right. not going to be. But could he be a decent option in the outfield for the next three years? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, my, my stance has kind of become that the Reds either need to be willing to spend some money on a free agent outfielder to fill the gap until some of the bottom-level prospects are ready, or... Um, one presumes they're going to try to move Zach Cozart this winter, and perhaps Zach Cozart could get moved along with maybe a couple of other, you know, sort of middle-level prospects for for a decent outfielder. And I think that would be great if they could do that because they do need to get a, another outfield, another bat, uh, outfield bat in the minor league system. They really do. It's it's sort of it's sort of barren. Uh, Shebler's nobody's idea of of the guy that you expect to be the starting right fielder on the next good Reds team. He is a guy that I think could fill the gap if they if he has to until that next good team. And then even at his, at his his sort of floor level, his the worst case scenario to me it seems is he'll be a guy that comes off the comes off the bench. He's got a decent approach at the plate. He can hit with some power. He'll be a decent fourth outfielder. He's athletic. He's not a great outfielder, but he's no worse than average according to all the scouts. He's a guy that can help a team even if he's not your starting left fielder. I'm or right fielder. I really, the more I looked at Scott Shelber, the more I thought this guy's got a chance of being a contributor. Now, whether that's a contributor in the starting lineup, I'm not. I'm not willing to go out on that limb just yet. But I think he could stick around. He's young. They've got him under control for a few years. I'm. I'm happy to have him around. Yeah, and somebody also who we shouldn't necessarily forget about is um, is Philip Irvin, who is still hanging out down there uh, in Double A and. I think one of the things that I try to emphasize with people with him is, and I'm not as high on him as I once was, but the Southern League does a is is like really suppresses offense, like really a lot, to the extent that there is currently one qualified hitter in that league hitting over 300. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that he's hitting, you know, uh, 237 down there right now. While it's not the prettiest number in the world in sort of normal league terms, I would guess probably translates to like a 260 or 270. Um, so he's actually been a, a significantly above average hitter in double A. Um, he's kind of on the Shebler track, though. He's in double A. He's 24. Um, so he would need, you know, the Reds would have to get behind him and promote him and see what he could do in Louisville before you could really say anything. But he's definitely somebody who should still be on the radar. And I think kind of like Shebler still has a um, a solid chance to make an impact. Yeah, he is a guy I'll confess to being guilty. I do, I do sometimes forget about him. Urban, you know, high draft pick. Uh, has had some success uh, in the minors and uh, has struggled at times as well. Uh, I don't quite know what to make of him having not watched him play. But obviously, uh, I guess, I think 2013, he was the first rounder. Uh I believe are one of the first rounders that year. Maybe yeah. a su- maybe a supplemental pick, but uh, picked highly. And uh, this is, he's going to have the Reds are going to have to push him soon. 
I think, if they're expecting him to be anything. I'm, I mean, I'm kind of surprised he hasn't gotten called up to AAA just because, you know, the Reds on any given night, especially with some, or no, the Bats, sorry, on any given night, especially with some of the injuries they have, sometimes they really only have one or maybe two, like, legit outfielders out there. Um, but I don't know, you know, I'm not, I'm not privy to organizational discussions about that stuff. So I can, all I can do is look and wonder. Are you, excuse me, are you telling me that the Reds don't consult you before making those decisions? Surprisingly, no. <laughs> well, I would. I... <laughs> um, going back to your article, if we could very briefly about the 2017 Reds and who could or could not be here, uh, just very quickly. Do, should, should we have any hope? And hope is not a strategy, but should we have any hope that Devin Miserocco is going to be our starting catcher? Oh, that's a no. tough one. Yeah, it's it's. I hate it. I mean, it's you know. I think this is one of those times when pessimism is the better strategy because the odds of that turning out, I feel like at this point, are so slim that I'm just assuming it won't. And then if it does, I can just be overjoyed. There you go. Yeah, I think that's part of the way to do it. I'm, I'm assuming that Mesero. I probably shouldn't, but I'm assuming the Mesero's done even, and whatever he, he can get out of him is going to be gravy at this point. Yeah, that's pretty much where I am. I mean, yeah. you know, he hasn't had meaningful playing time in two years. Ah, such a such a shame after that great 2014 season. Uh, one last thing about uh, the 2017 Reds that really got me excited. This is what's had me excited for a while, but the, to see you, you put it in these terms, you listed the pitchers who could at least be in the mix to be in the starting rotation next year. And listen to this list. Homer Bailey, Anthony DiSclefani, Tony Disco, Amir Garrett, Cody Reed, Robert Stevenson, Brandon Finnegan, Michael Lorenzen, Roselle Iglesias. What is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pitchers who, I, and I consider all of those guys above average pitchers. Yeah, they're all very good prospects. I mean, you wouldn't be surprised if any of those guys turned out to be a number two or in some cases a number one type starter. So that's. That's a fun list. Yeah, and they only need five of them really to work out uh, yeah. to have a really good rotation. So that's, again, reason reason to be excited, I think. Um, what, do you really think, just to touch on Sinzel again, because I love the idea that, the, that he might be up next year, do you really think uh, the Reds will push him? I kind of do, because I think... And I, I mean, this is just feel for me, but I, I get the impression that the fan base is already gotten kind of restless, and they're they're willing to tolerate a terrible team for like a year. But I don't know if they would be willing to put up with that for a second year. Um, I know I saw something. It's been a while now where the Reds were had 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 some either the one of the worst attendance drops in in the major leagues this year for understandable reasons. Um, but, you know, I, I'm sure that the Reds are aware of that, and they want people to come. And if Senzel can contribute, I, I don't see a good reason to keep him down. I mean, he's 21 now. I'm, You know, he's only at this moment, he's not even two years younger than Jesse Winker is. The, the Reds' third baseman, though, right now is only 24. This is true. And he should, uh, at some point, in my opinion, probably be the Reds' second baseman. Yeah, the more I think about it, and that's actually what I'd hoped at one point anyway. Uh, and, of course, we're talking about Eugenio Suarez, who, whose name is 
the most fun to say of anybody on the Reds team, a Eugenio Suarez. Uh, Suarez, 24, you know, it wasn't three months ago, I think, that I wrote a, a piece about Suarez basically comparing him to Todd Frazier at this point. Uh, at, at the same age, I think Todd Frazier was in either in double-A or just starting in triple-A, and you know Suarez already has, I don't know, what, 40 home runs in the major leagues or something Yeah, at age 24. And uh, is other than a really bad stretch in May, and you can't really parse that out because he did have it, but has been pretty much a league average hitter otherwise, uh, or even slightly above. I can parse that out. Why can't we parse it? <laughs> Why not? We can do whatever watch, we want. Watch me do it. Watch. <laughs> because, listen... What major league player at some point has not had a horrible month? Cough, Joey Votto in April. Cough, cough. Like, it, it happens. If you, t- you know, it, that month is completely anomalous in his career. It, it doesn't sync up with anything else that he's done this year. You know, his career pretty much says that he figures to be about league average with the bat. And for one month, he was miserable. And, okay, he was miserable for one month. He then immediately showed that that was not who he really was and, you know, got on with his life as a baseball player. And so, I, you know, I, I was never a person who was giving up on Suarez. Um, I think his in position probably is going to be second base. I think his bat plays a little bit better there. I think even though he's really picked it up at third base lately, that his defense is probably better suited there. Um, but he's he can he should be part of the next Reds winning team. That's what I will say. Um, you know, I could even imagine I could imagine a circumstance. I'll say this where he kind of became the Reds equivalent of sort of a Ben Zobrist where if he can play a competent second and third and left and right, and he can occasionally sub in at short, you know, that's a guy who can still easily pick up five or 600 plate appearances and be really valuable to the team. No, I could absolutely see that, you know, and and we talk about his uh, being a league average hitter still 24, as we said, so some room for growth there at second base, his bat does play extremely well. Of course, the Reds just traded for a, 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 who, Dilson Herrera, who we expect is probably considered to be the second baseman of the future. And so it makes me wonder what's going on with Suarez. They got these uh, big time prospects in line at second and third. Um, Peraza probably short, and I'm not sure Suarez will ever be a full time shortstop again. Uh, at second base, he looks awfully good. And he has shown us this year that early in the year, everyone hammered him for his glove. You know, another uh, Edwin Encarnacion we heard. Uh, which is another topic for another day. I never uh, criticized Edwin Encarnacion. I was a big fan. But anyway, Suarez has really improved, considering he'd never played third base before at a professional level, basically, maybe like nine innings before this year. It really looks a lot better now. I'm not willing to give him a gold glove, but it makes me think he could handle second base. Uh, he had fewer well, short, uh, errors at shortstop last year than uh, rookie season Barry Larkin did. Yeah. And uh, so... Let's just not assume he's going to be an awful defensive player. He's still, you, you know, know. I, I actually I really forget that he. he that I, I forget about him as a shortstop, even though he got a lot of time there. Um, you know, even last year, and and wasn't you know wasn't awful. Um, you know, was kind of passable. You said you weren't sure what the Reds were doing there, and I have kind of a theory right now. I'm, I'm waiting to see how it goes, but I, I have a theory, and I know this is going to sound crazy that the Reds might have kind of figured something out, which is that I wonder 
I've noticed, and I think I've seen other people chatter about it, that the Reds lately have had a real tendency to acquire a lot of what I kind of think of as like B-plus prospects, as opposed to those A-level prospects. And I wonder if somebody in the front office did some research and noticed that the amount of B-plus prospects you could get for in a trade would overall outproduce the one A-level prospect that you could get in a trade. So if the A-level prospects were kind of being overvalued. Um, and, you know, I go back and I started thinking about, and this has been kind of a favorite comparison of mine lately, but back seven or eight or nine years ago, God, I'm getting old, um, Jay Bruce was the A-level prospect, right? And Joey Votto was the B-plus level prospect. Who are you taking now? So you're saying if you're going to take a chance on somebody take a chance on more of the B-plus level prospects. If and, you can get three B-plus guys right. or one A guy, get three B-plus guys. And and, and hopefully, and, and even if they don't all pan out, you still may end up with, with decent players, even, right. if, even if none of them are stars. That's, I don't know, it's an interesting theory. I mean, so, I mean, the Reds right now have a, a pretty, I mean, if you think about all the guys who could potentially, at least, you could imagine them pounding out, panning out as contributors at second, short, and third. You've got Dilson Herrera, Jose Peraza, uh, Eugenio Suarez, Nick Senzel. You've even got Tony Renda in there. And I'm sure there are a couple of other guys I'm forgetting. If you can't get like three decent starters out of that, something's gone wrong. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. I think that's right. And uh, there are a lot of options, certainly. And you've got to have those type of guys anyway. Even if they, if they don't turn into stars, you've got to have some of these guys that are average to slightly above average players to fill out your lineup and uh they got a bunch of those guys uh if i'm looking at the the lineup next year here's the way i go which is a little different than probably almost anyone else and it's different than what i would have said two weeks ago before the reds acquired dilson herrera if if i got to make the decisions well, first of all that'd be a really bad idea but if for some reason the reds let me make this decision my goal would be uh, miserocco at catcher, if possible, if not Barnhart. Votto at first, Herrera at second, and, and I'm sort of thinking through this on the fly. Sinzel at third when he's ready. Suarez at short. The more I think about it, I wonder if, and have Parazza as the, the super sub you're talking about. Uh, he's not going to hit as much, but he can play all over the place and certainly can play the middle infield positions. And then Duvall Shebler, uh, platooning in an outfield position with Hamilton and Winker at the other two. To me, that sounds like a, a lineup that I would think could score some runs. And, yeah, I would get on board with that. I, whether Suarez can actually handle shortstop defensively is is the big question there. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I will say this. Um, I think people should keep an eye on Tony Renda. And the reason I say that, I know everybody's like, oh, Tony Renda, give me a break. He is 25, so he's hitting that sort of old for a prospect thing. But if you look at his numbers, his numbers are good. Like, he is always hit. And he hits in the, like, old-fashioned pure contact hitter way. Like, not the modern conception where it's like a, the people say contact hitter and they mean he doesn't walk any and still strikes out a ton. Tony Renda doesn't really strike out, nor does he walk a ton, but he walks an okay amount. Um, but anyway, his numbers bear out, and then... So on the, the sort of sabermetric side, he looks pretty sound to me. But the old school guys who I've talked to around Louisville really like him too. Um, you know, uh, Delino DeShields is, 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 a, is kind of a fan of Tony Renda. 
Um, you know, and and I've been told by other people to just kind of just watch him, just keep an eye on him. It's not a guarantee that he's going to work out, but he is somebody that if everybody else falters and he gets a chance, he might surprise some people. You know, I got to looking at his stats uh, a couple of days ago, whenever that was, and and yeah, if you get a chance, go look at. Uh, I'm not talking about you. I know you have, but uh, any of your listeners, go look at his stats in the minor leagues. He's got a little bit of that, uh, what I talked about, the Scott Schebler, a little bit of a chance that maybe his ceiling is that he could break out and be a decent player for the next few years because, really, he's hit everywhere he's been. His on-base percentages, percentages aren't you know, through the roof, but they're good. He gets on base, and, and uh, he's playing second base, so you, know, you don't expect uh, that he needs to hit as much to, to be valuable. And I'm really, I really wonder why he hasn't been talked about more. Why was I guess age over Jose Peraz is one reason why, but why he hasn't been talked about as a possible, at least uh, contender for the next good Reds team. I think part of it is, and baseball still has this sort of weird prejudice against short guys. I mean, you know, I started a, a kind of hashtag with him where I call him Little Tony Renda. He is not a big guy. I mean, he's 5'8", he's listed 5'8", 180, and if he's 180, I'm a grandmother. <laughs> Are you a grandmother? I'm not a grandmother. Well, there you go, then. Like, I mean, he's not a big guy. He, he's, a little, he's a little guy, but that does not necessarily mean he is incapable of playing Major League Baseball. Well, there is that bias, uh, certainly. But he's a guy that I could see sticking around for a little while and, having, and, and sort of carving out uh, an actual Major League career. Whether that is going to be as a starter anywhere, I don't know. But I, I'm with you. I, I think uh, what you're hearing uh, – I'm willing to give him a shot, and he's yeah. you know he's 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 been fun to watch so far since he came up to Cincinnati. It's just it's always I find it the most encouraging thing when I I am able to look at the numbers and make sort of the sabermetric case for myself, and then guys who don't care a whit about sabermetrics are like, yeah, that guy's pretty good. Yeah, it feels good when those match up because it doesn't always happen that way. Yeah. Okay, 2017 Reds. What what can we expect? Uh, famously earlier in the year. You projected that they had a chance of being a uh, a competitive team, maybe second place in the division. I, I continue to be more optimistic on them, and perhaps it's just delirium, but I can at least imagine scenarios wherein they win 90 games. Oh, my gosh. You heard it and, here first. Jason Linden just predicted that next year's Reds are going to win at least 90 games. Jason Linden just said he could imagine <laughs> scenarios in which that is possible. Um uh, I mean, a lot of that has to do, frankly, with that list of pitchers that you read off. Um, you know, if five of those guys pan out to their potential, tell me how this team isn't a 500 team. Yeah, yeah, I and agree. If, if they hit at all, then they're a winning team. It's, it's really not, you don't have to squint that much to see a team that's competitive next year. At the very least, a 500 team, you yeah. know, which I think would be fantastic. It's, I don't. And again, maybe we're just too optimistic about this. Maybe this is what we're wanting to see. I don't. I don't think that's the case. I think it's. Uh, I think you can. You can make the case on this. Make the argument. I think that not everything has to go right in order for them to be a competitive team next year. And what I see a little bit of is now. Here's where I may be putting on my rose-colored glasses a little bit. If they were to win 85 to 90 games next year, all of a sudden that starts to look like that 2010 Reds team when when. They sort of overperformed a little bit. They weren't necessarily expected to compete just yet. A lot of young guys. 
and uh, it was the opening of a, of a good window. Maybe the Reds' uh, prediction that they were going to be back in the hunt in 2018, I don't know. Maybe that wasn't uh, just an overly optimistic view, uh, trying to sell something to the fans. Yeah, I mean, I am just, I, I've said kind of all along, just sort of watch them in the second half. You know, the, the 2009 Reds for the last month and a half were really good after not being particularly good for the rest of the season. Um, you know, since the All-Star break, this team's been pretty good. They're like four games over 500 since the All-Star break. Um, and that'll, that'll get it done. Yeah, and, and, the, and the difference is there are guys playing now. Guys have gotten healthy and guys have been called up and there are guys playing now that are going to be some of the guys they're hoping will pan out. This is this is the team. This is, you're starting to see the seeds of a team that the Reds hope can be the next good Reds team, and uh, hopefully it's just a, it's a progression upwards from here. Yep, that's I mean that's certainly the idea. That's what we're all hoping for. It is what we're hoping for. Uh, Jason uh, predicted 90 wins, but I'm going to have to, uh, and so that's a that's a high note of the podcast. Now I'm going to bring us back to a low note. The Bengals just lost a preseason football game to the Minnesota Vikings, seventeen to sixteen. Well, lucky for me, I don't pay any attention to football. Well, I just got a notification on my phone, and I just thought I'd pass that along. We're obviously recording this Friday night. The Reds, on the other hand, uh, going into the seventh inning, up three to nothing in Milwaukee. Um, okay, a couple of things I want to talk about really quickly. Why is Billy Hamilton the greatest player ever? You got ten seconds. Tell me. Because he steals all the bases, what I want to know is why has the name Billy the Kid never stuck? Oh my goodness, it's perfect. That's going to be young, and he steals things. Yeah. It's natural. <laughs> he does steal things. He uh, has stolen three uh, st- bases so far tonight, putting him at fifty-one for the season. Uh, Billy Hamilton. Uh, okay, anything else in particular about the current Reds or next year's Reds that you think we need to discuss? Um, I don't think so. I think we've pretty well hit all the bases. I just. You know, I, I, I just basically I hope the Reds make decent decisions this winter and don't leave any <clears throat> aging players on the roster who shouldn't be on the roster anymore. Yeah, we've not gone into that uh, topic too much <clears throat> today, and we'll leave it behind. But uh, that is really the corollary the uh, to what we're saying about how you can kind of squint a little bit and see the makings of this good team. It's still going to continue. It's going to uh, be. It's going to be dependent upon easy for me to say dependent upon the reds making good decisions going forward with the spots where they do need to upgrade and obviously second base is is one of those Uh, and i don't know what to expect out of this reds front office i i I, i'll be honest i'm optimistic i keep using that word but i'm optimistic about dick williams the the incoming general manager i guess he'll officially have the role after this season by himself and uh but 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 like you said, they've got to make good decisions for the for the future of this franchise. And just to say about that second base, if if Dilson Herrera is not or someone else is not starting at second base on opening day next year, and I hate to say this, we're talking about a we're not mentioning his name, but we're talking about a future Reds Hall of Famer. But if that guy is starting at second base instead of Dilson Herrera or someone else, I think. It, I think that it will be time to be concerned that the front office is putting other concerns over what's best for the next five, ten years of the Reds franchise. Does that yes. make sense? It completely makes sense. I'll give them until the end of this year, and then it's time to make a decision. 
It is. I mean, it's happened with every team in the history, uh, every player in the history of baseball. Uh, like I said at Red Leg Nation, Father Time is undefeated. It just he 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 got Joe Morgan in the end. He's going to get the Reds' current second baseman. Although I'm happy that I'm happy the Reds' current second baseman is hitting well lately. It's fun to see when he hits well because it reminds us of all the all the fun, all the all the joy he's given us over the years, and we forget some of the times when he's uh, upset us. Let's move on. I didn't want to talk about that, Jason. Why'd you make me talk about it? You asked the question. <laughs> uh, last thing I think I want to talk about is I'm I'm a little excited about this. We announced this week that we're going to do a a meetup with we've joined with the guys over at Red Reporter. Uh, if you read that fine blog, they got some outstanding writers over there, and and Red Reporter and Red Leg Nation are getting together, and we're hosting a a meetup where uh, we got a bunch of writers already confirmed. Uh, you'll be there. Jason, I'll be there. A bunch of other guys uh, from Red Leg Nation and uh, a bunch of guys from Red Reporter. It's We're going get, to get tickets all sitting in a, in a group in the outfield. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be the outfield, but that's where we've done it in the past. And just to get a chance to talk about baseball, we'll have some kind of a, a meetup somewhere before the game probably. Well, definitely. And um, I really want to encourage everyone to uh, to go to redlegnation.com and click on that link and uh, – and, and commit to coming to the, the meetup so I can get a chance to meet as many of you as possible. It's gonna, I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it'll be a good time. Um, and, you know, if people are nice, we'll even talk to them and stuff. <laughs> right, exactly. I, you know, I'm a little bit worried about talking to actual people in real life. But uh, we did one of these, I think it was 2010. It was the last time we did one of these. And it really was a good time. I had a lot of fun. And, and this year we had the idea to partner up with Red Reporter to make it a little bit of a bigger event and uh, get out of our comfort zone just a little bit. And and I'm also going to say, I really hope within the next uh, day or two, I'm going to have some exciting uh, announcements to make about uh, various events that we're planning around it and maybe special guests and things of that sort. I'm really there, hopeful. There are things rumbling. There are. It's a really, I think the I think that the Reds organization is supporting us in this and, uh, uh, I'm hopeful that we'll have some announcements to make really soon. I'm working on those, but even if it's just come out, you know, hang out with the the, the writers from Red Leg Nation and, and your fellow commenters and fellow podcast listeners, and and also the guys from Red Reporter. It's gonna be a fun time, just talking about baseball, talking about the Reds, and and enjoying the Reds game. It's at uh, it's gonna be during the Cardinals game over Labor Day weekend, Saturday of Labor Day weekend. It's Eugenio Suarez bobblehead day, and just a you know, it'll be a good time to get together with fellow Reds fans and uh, and watch a team that's all of a sudden a little bit fun to watch. I'm, I'm glad you're going to be there, Jason. I'm going to harass you the whole night. Good. I look forward to it. <laughs> Excellent. What else you got for us tonight, Jason? I got nothing. <laughs> uh, well, that's about me the entire time, but somehow we wasted a few minutes talking about the Reds. Uh, as always, go to uh, redlegnation.com. You can find the links there. You can subscribe to the podcast uh, via iTunes. Search for Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes. I always ask you, if you would, give us a rating, give us a review at iTunes if, if you like the podcast. If you don't, keep your mouth shut. Uh, tell your friends about it. Every week our subscriber numbers go up. And if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes, it helps uh, more people find us. It helps us in the search rankings. And uh, We have a lot of fun here, and I hope you'll uh, I hope you'll pass that along to everyone. Obviously, redlegnation.com, every single uh, day we're following the Reds and uh, 
it's a uh, in some ways exciting times. There's been some rough times recently, but in some ways it's going to be. I think the next few years are going to be exciting to watch this team, and there's going to be a lot to discuss. So go to RedLegNation.com every day for all your Reds news and analysis. Follow us at Red Leg Nation on Twitter, at Jason Linden, J-A-S-O-N-L-I-N-D-E-N. And you can follow me at Dotson C if you wish. And uh, also you can follow me at Dotson Chad, D-O-T-S-O-N-C-H-A-D, on Snapchat. That one's for you, Jason. Oh, God. Snapchat. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. Snapchat. Uh, I guess that's all we got. Jason, appreciate you, buddy. Thank you, sir. All right. For episode 143, for Jason Linden, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Mm-hmm.